Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Fiction, science fiction, horror, fantasy, crime. LGBT Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. FM Riverside and 1050 AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the House of Mystery, and of course, here I am, Al Warren, and Mr. David North Martino is off the baseball field. (laughs) Baseball field. I'm still a baseball player, Al. Well, in, in my mind, you'll yes, always forever. be that star. I can never. Oh, thank you. Just because you've retired doesn't mean <laughs> yeah. it's not important. I mean, you know, it's a step and down. I never even made the from, majors. Well, no, but it's a step down trying to make the majors to being yeah. on radio. Yeah, yeah that's right. It's really sad. <laughs> it's a step up. It's a step up. A step up. No. <laughs> no it's a, you're, looking, you're looking upside down. Anyway, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. So anyway, we're <laughs> having a great week. We have some, so we have some great shows coming up. Of course, we have the uh, exclusive American uh, release of the uh, interview with uh, Lee Sansom, who was mm-hmm. the bodyguard for Princess Diana. Finally, is releasing a book and speaking yeah. about it. Um, so that'll be coming up on, I believe, September first is when it will air. So great show. Yeah, yeah, really, really interesting guy. We've already talked to him, and it's pretty, uh, pretty good. It's pretty intense. Um, mm. But I will give one thing away. Okay, we'll we'll give one secret away. The queen is not a reptile, <laughs> <laughs> and she, she, just so everyone knows, she mm. was not behind the death. Okay, uh, Princess <laughs> Diana. That's right. So it's it's a little spoiler, but. You know, take away the anxiety for later. You know, people get all worked up about that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so now, uh, now today we have um, a writer. It looks like a uh, murder mystery 
author. And so let's welcome to the show, Miss Penny Ochen. Thanks for being on the show. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Al. So, Penny, where did the writing bug start for you? Well, I would say it started quite a while ago. I've always loved to write. I was, you know, I was the kid in, in English class that was secretly fist pumping under my desk when we would get a writing assignment instead of a an oral report assignment. The last thing I wanted to do was get up in front of the class and speak. So I was always thrilled to to be able to write. And so I've always loved to write. I've always, you know, I've always been kind of right brain. I love to paint and draw as well. Uh, but I I've always loved math too. So I think I've been able to access both both sides of my brain. I did I, I did not pursue writing professionally initially when I went off to college. I I knew I had to select a very practical major, so I chose accounting. It took me two years to figure out that that's what I wanted to do. I went in undecided, but I knew, uh, like with my parents' financial situation, I really needed to have a job coming out of school. So I chose accounting, and I enjoyed it very much. But once I got out of school, uh, then I allowed myself to get back into right brain activities like painting and drawing and eventually writing um, and loved being there. So in fact, one of the last corporate jobs I had, I headed up a reporting section for a, a large financial institution and we produced the financial statements, but I got to do the write-ups that and I know that's not exactly riveting, uh, <laughs> riveting reading, but somebody has to do the analysis and, and put it into words. So and I was, it was my job to do that. So I think that actually kind of sparked my interest, you know, sparked the fire to get me back into writing again and, um, and do much more interesting. I mean, obviously there can, there can be a lot of mystery and suspense in financials, but uh, but, but, um, I, th but, you know, very, very dry writing, but I think that was what kind of, you know, got me going to, to go, go revisit, uh, writing again. So it was fun to get back into it. Yeah. So it's an interesting process. So how, how is it that you come up with the, um, theme or the, uh, storyline behind one of your books? Well, I always select my setting first. You know, I, I write about places that I've fallen in love with and I have a continuing love affair with so that my readers also get a, a taste for the, the setting and they end up falling in love as well. So the, the setting comes first. And my first, my first novel was set on the coast of Maine in an old family run inn set up high on a precipice overlooking the ocean. And it was a very natural place for me to set my first book because I thought mysteries would be a great, you know, um, place to put, or, or I should say the, the rocky tumultuous coast of Maine is a great place to set a, a mystery. But also I, it was a place I fell in love with, uh, as a, a small child. My, uh, my mother grew up in Maine. My grandmother lived there until she passed away. So every summer, with only one exception, we traveled to Maine to visit my grandmother, and we would take day trips. She lived in central Maine. So we would take day trips down to the coast, and I just fell in love with the coast. And 
you know, it was just a very natural place to write about when I, when I started my first book. And that, so I had, I've got three that are set on the coast of Maine and I call it my precipice series because they each have the name, the word precipice in their titles, but it's also known as the Elizabeth Pennington mystery series because Elizabeth is the protagonist. Your location, your setting, like in this case, Maine, um, do you write it like you would write a character? I think so, because I I think the setting, the way the story, you know, once I have the setting, then the the beginnings of a storyline start to fall into place. And then one by one characters start introducing themselves. So I think the storyline could only happen in the places that I have chosen the setting. So they be- these settings become... A character, like with um, the Elizabeth Pennington mystery series, you know, set on the coast of Maine. You know, there are walks on the beach and clam bakes and lobster boats and ferry rides to a, an offshore island. There's a hurricane barreling up the coast. Um, and the story would have a very different feel and really wouldn't work if it was set inland. And, you know, say in a, a city somewhere, you know, somewhere like Chicago in the middle of winter, it just it just wouldn't work. So I think they do, the settings become uh, critical to the story and they, they become a character. So you, your main character, when you said that uh, Elizabeth Pennington in that case, um, how do you develop a character? Do you, we get a lot of different explanations about characters and, and who they are to the writer and stuff and how they experience them. What's, what's your dealing with your main characters, like let's say Elizabeth well, they say that characters have at least a piece of the writer in them. And I would say Elizabeth has a lot of me in her, you know, back when I was in my 20s. Um, you know, I, I describe her as the serious young professional that I remember myself being. Um, and then, you know, I've got my uh, two books that are in set in the Caribbean, and then that's Olivia. And she's even younger than Elizabeth. And I describe her as, as the uh, kind of the wilder uh, 20-something, the um, kind of a throw caution to the wind kind of gal that I, I wished I was back in my 20s. Um, and then my protagonist in, in my uh, latest release, Victoria, she's more, uh, she's closer to my age in her mid-50s. So there's a lot of me and her as, as well. Uh, but I, I guess I do view them as an extension of myself. As far as the other characters, uh, not so much with the villains. <laughs> At least I, I'd like to think that, that there's not a lot of me in, in my villains, but there has to be a little bit of me. And then other characters are, you know, people that I've either have come to know or have crossed paths with and have thought up a backstory for. I mean, I love to do, I, I do a bit of traveling and I, I find myself in airports and I do a lot of people watching, which is very entertaining. <laughs> and I find myself taking notes and sometimes and, and coming up with characters based on people that have walked past me and they've, they've carried themselves in a certain way and, or I've heard, you know, snippets of conversations and, and then I just start filling in the blanks and creating people, you know, characters that 
I, I've never met before, but that I've imagined. So they kind of come from all over the place, you know, but I think the protagonist, um, all three of my protagonists so far are probably most like me and others are probably more like friends. In creating your characters, uh, do you have an inner monologue in your head? Can you hear your characters? Uh, is that how you create dialogue? I do hear it in my head, and I also see it. It's it's like I'm watching a movie. I think a lot of uh, fiction writers experience that. I do, I see it, so I write down what I'm seeing. But I also, I'm not a planner when it comes to writing. I'm not much of a planner in life either, but... I um I'm not a, I don't sit down and write a uh, an outline before I write. I know one mystery author who she does which I think is very clever. She uses post-its to write down you know parts of the story and then she's very can easily move them around and put them in the order that she wants them to be in. But I'm not really that much of a planner. I I am what they call a pantser. I I write from the seat of my pants, and I love doing it that way because I don't always know what's coming around the corner, and sometimes I'm as surprised as my readers are. You know what what happens at a certain point in the story. I remember one time I was I was taking a break from writing, and I was on a treadmill. I had my headphones in, and I was just listening to music and just kind of you know walking along briskly and kind of rewinding what I had just finished writing and then letting my my brain just kind of keep going with the movie as I was listening to music and and walking along and I was following along the story and all of a sudden the car that one of my characters was driving went off off into a ravine and I I gasped right out loud I'm like oh, you know because and the reason I gasped was because first of all I didn't see it coming but second of all, I had named my character after a good friend of mine. <laughs> so I had just killed off my, my friend. That was a perplexing situation I had to get out of. But um, but I love writing like that because I don't know what's going to come around the corner. And it's it's very entertaining. And I look forward to sitting down to write. Because I, you know, I never, I never know where my characters are going to take me. Yeah, I'm a pantser too, and I, I find that I've, I've had similar situations where a character will just appear, maybe from another story or something, and you're very surprised mm -hmm. by it. Do, do you, do you, have you ever had any characters that have, you know, really taking the, taking the plot kind of off the rails, past where you really wanted to go? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I think it happens. Frequently, I mean, I can't um, think of you know a good example off the top of my head, but certainly, even even my protagonist will do things that will surprise me, and I think, well, that that's not like her to do that. But then I realize I'm still getting to know her. You know, she's still revealing to me what you know her thoughts are, you know, what her intentions are, and so it's we're we're getting to know each other. So it does happen uh, quite a lot, and it's. Very entertaining when it does happen. Well, so when you're writing a series, when you're trying to put that together, how do you keep track of um, subtleties that you've written about in previous books? Well, I wish I was more organized about it than I than I am, because I find I mean some some writers are extremely organized and they have they've got 
worksheets of every little detail, like, you know, what, what the, you know, eye color, you know, hair color, birthday and, and, you know, car, you know, make of the car and so forth. And I actually do fill out, I've got this like 15 page uh, survey that I fill out for my major characters. So I do jot all this stuff down, but there are plenty of things that I, I might throw in that aren't on that survey that, but, but the survey is pretty specific. I mean, it, it even comes down to favorite foods, favorite drinks, favorite piece of clothing in their closet. And, you know, why is it, so, you know, why is it their favorite? But, um, it, I don't, there are plenty of things that don't get onto that survey. So, and I wish I was a little more organized with my details going forward because I have to go back and reread. I have to go looking for that little detail. And, uh, you know, it's, so it's a little, you know, eats up my time, which I really don't have, but, but it's also kind of fun to go back and reread my previous books too. Even if I'm just reading just a section of them, it's like, oh yeah, I remember that part. Oh, that was fun. I'm glad I put that in. So I'm not as organized as I should be, but then it, it allows me to go on a, um, a memory, you know, trip, you know, on, on the previous book. So, so that's kind of fun. Now in your series, um, a person can pick up book two. They don't have to read them in order, do they? I mean, of course you'd like them to, but they do stand on their own. Well, the precipice series, actually, you really do have to start with the first one. I mean, at this point I've got three, I've got murder on the precipice, murder beyond the precipice, murder returns to the precipice. You really have to start with the first one. But then that series is separate from the two books that I have in the Caribbean, The Empty Chair and then Over the Edge, which is the sequel to uh, The Empty Chair. Um, so those you have to kind of, you have to read in order. But then the my most recent one, The Woman Underwater, that's actually a standalone. So you don't have to have read any of my previous books to uh, be able to enjoy that one. I've got brand new storyline, brand new characters, brand new setting too. You know, the the... Uh, this one's actually set in Connecticut because I had so many writers after I had the, the three in Maine and then I have two in the Caribbean. I had so many Connecticut readers say, when are you going to set a book in Connecticut? Because, you know, I was born there. I, you know, lived there longer than any anywhere else. I went to school there. We We raised our kids there. So I said, well, of course I should write a book. I mean, I love Connecticut and it didn't take me long once I had the setting to then start to get the, the threads of a, a storyline and and have it start falling into place. So um, so that that was fun to be able to, to do a new setting like that. Well, mentioning all you know the, the novels that you've written, have you found any motifs or recurrent themes in your work? And, and do you feel, if so, that that's been done deliberately or unconsciously? That's a great question because if you had asked me that, you know, a year ago, I would have said, no, I don't think there are any recurring themes, themes, but you know, the more I, I've been interviewed and had to really think about my work and go back and revisit each one, I'm realizing that the, the, re, the recurring theme in The Woman Underwater, or the theme in the, the Woman Underwater, is really about the strength of love. And then when I thought about it, I realized, well, gee, that's, <laughs> I think I've been carrying this through all of them. I mean, there are other themes as well, but uh, just the fact that, um, you know, the strength of love and that the power uh, that it can compel people to to do things that they didn't think they could do. They can, 
hang on to hope, you know, um, go after dreams they never thought they could uh, accomplish, stand strong in the face of adversity. Um, and without love, you know, people are often destined to, to lose faith and, and let life's ambitions slip away and, and not, you know, and, and perhaps even resort to self-destructive actions. Right. So it's, it was funny how when I first started thinking about the theme in The Woman Underwater, I actually had been carrying that through all of my novels, which was, <laughs> which was interesting. Yeah. So we're, how do you create, um, like, what is your process? So when you, like, for instance, the new book, The, the Woman Underwater, where does it begin? Is it like a, a character that you create and then you put that character through a situation? Or is it a, a, an event or a situation that then you find a character? Like, which which does it work for you? Well, I, I always start with the setting. Mm-hmm. And then from there, the, the, the storyline starts to kind of filter into my brain. And as the storyline gets a little more solid and starts to move forward, then the characters started into, start introducing themselves. So in The Woman Underwater, it was set in Connecticut. And, you know, I've lived there for many years. And so I just thought about all the things that I loved about Connecticut and and also some of the uh, iconic, uh, some of the, the uh, uh, landmarks I, that I wanted to include in the story as well. That was kind of fun to do. But there, and then actually there are two settings in the woman underwater. Uh, the, the Victoria is the protagonist and her, when, when the story starts, her husband has been missing for almost seven years and he'd been a teacher at an all boys private boarding school in a town that I, I've called Litchfield Falls. There is a Litchfield, Connecticut, but there's no Litchfield Falls. And I've had, I've had some of the earlier, early readers say, but there should be a Litchfield <laughs> Falls in Connecticut. But, um, so the, the school is set in Litchfield Falls, which is not too far from New York. And he disappeared one fall on a, a, a field trip with his students to New York City. And he disappeared with, without a trace, with no uh, supposed, supposedly, Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. No witnesses. The police had few leads to go by, and they quickly uh, dried up. And they also never found his car. So... As the story opens, he's been missing for seven years. And in the state of Connecticut, someone who's been missing can't be pronounced dead uh, until seven years are up or you have irrefutable proof that, that they are, in fact, deceased. So she's she's uh, tormented by not knowing what's happened to him. And also the people around her are trying to convince her to move on with her life, that, you know, to snap out of it and move on for her sake and for the the sake of her boys they have two two sons uh but the one there's another wrinkle in the situation in that their younger son is now a student at that school and the infamous field trip that his father disappeared on is now coming up on the school calendar and he really wants to go on it mm. So um, when you write a book like that, um, do you have any sort of subtext or any sort of meaning that is below the story that you hope readers will pick up? Well, I think it goes along the, what we were talking about before with the, the strength of love, because she is certain he's still out there. In fact, she's she's so certain because he... When they were, since they were first married, he would always send a uh, beautiful arrangement of uh, coral colored roses to her on her birthday. And even after he disappeared, the roses kept coming. So she's, she takes that as a sign that he's still out there and that he will return. Uh, she's tried to, you know, her, she has a friend of Eva that she's tried to uh, accuse her of sending the the roses and and she said no 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 it's you know she's not that kind of a friend she forgets her birthday and so she's convinced that that her husband's out there somewhere and he will return when he can and that's the um that's her her proof so she's you know her her love for him is is so strong and uh she won't give up and uh that's i think that really is 
and even though she's got everyone around her, including her sons, t- telling her, just come on, let's, you know, he's, he's gone. Let's, let's move on with life. And, you know, her, her love for him is so strong that, um, he, she won't, she won't move on. And it's funny. It's not really a love story per se. It's more of a contemporary suspense because there's a lot, a lot going on in it. And, um, but that's a, that's, I guess that's the underlying theme there that, you know, her love is so strong that, that she will, uh, she won't give up until she has answers or, or that she finds him. Hmm. So, um, what is your process when you're writing? Do you, um, kind of schedule time every single day? Like, can you say, okay, well, I can write today between 10 and two, there's nobody home or whatever. And do you actually sit down and you can just turn it on or do you have to be in a certain mood? Well, again, I'm not much of a planner, so I don't have a a plan for when I write. But if I am in the writing mode where I am, you know, working on a manuscript, I do tend to write every day. But I write at odd times of the day. I my rule is if if you know if I wake up in the middle of the night, it could be three in the morning, four in the morning, even if it's dark out. If I wake up, my eyes are open, then I have to go downstairs and find my laptop and get back to writing. I could also stay up, you know, start writing at 11 o'clock at night. Um, I don't really have a problem, you know, picking up where I left off. I will sit down and I'll just take, I'll reread the last few pages that I wrote and then I'm off and running. So, and I, I really do think that once I walk away from my laptop, I do think my subconscious continues to work on the story so that when I do sit down, I've got a lot that I need to get down, you know, on, you know, on the, the computer. So I don't really have a set time of day that I write. I'm kind of all over the place and I'll also move where I write. I don't like sitting in the same spot. So it's nice when nobody's home because, because then I don't have to stay in my office. I can go find a little nook someplace. I usually have a dog or two with me that curl up next to me or at my feet, which is, which is so nice to do. And when it's nice, I might take my laptop outside, but I'm all over, all over the house, all over, you know, just, I don't want to get, I get bored, you know, sitting in the same spot. So I, I do tend to move, but I, but I do also have, I usually have a word count that I'm shooting for, for that day. And I'm pretty consistent with that. I, and I, I shoot for that. That's, I have found, you know, I initially I tried having a certain time that I, um, was, you know, was to sit down and write, but I found for me, I, I need, I guess it's, I'm a numbers gal initially. So I, if I have a certain, uh, word count that I do, I usually do get to that every day, which is good. And I can see some real serious progress uh, over time pretty quickly. Um, so I'm not real organized about it, but I get it done and, um, in, in all different places. Hmm. Do you ever have kind of a block or a time when you're unable to write? I knock on wood. I never have. I, you know, like I say, I do go back and just kind of refresh my memory, uh, to where the story was going. And I, I really do think my subconscious works on it. So I sit down and just start writing. Um, I did have an interesting experience with the third book in the Precipice series. I found that individual scenes would come to me that would then turn into chapters. So as they would come to me, I would write them down, 
but they were in no particular order, which was a little puzzling. And I learned later, so th- so then once I got it all written, I had to go back and literally puzzle and put the pieces where they needed to be. And I learned later that, that that's what that's called. It's called puzzling. And it's, it is a, uh, a method, but it was a rather frustrating method because you know, it, I figured when they when the scenes came to me, I needed to write them down so I wouldn't forget them. But it was challenging to to then reassemble the scenes where they needed to go, and have it make sense. So I spent a lot of time rereading sections, moving them around, rereading the book. You know, and by the time I handed it off to my editor, I I had you know spent entirely too much time doing that, but I, I wanted it to be in the best shape it could be for her. And I explained to her what I had done and said, you know, just let me know if I've got to move things around and, and, you know, rewrite this thing. And apparently I did okay. Cause I, when it came back from the first pass, I did not have to move anything around, but it was a, a very challenging way of, of writing. And I, I hope my brain doesn't do that again. Cause it was very inefficient. <laughs> Do you, uh, that's, you know, it's an interesting process, what happens. Yeah. Do you ever look back at your first works and your first books and kind of want to redo them or do, do something different? Yes, I think, I think we all do as writers. I think when we go back and look at what we've done previously, I think we feel like we're never, we're never done. And when I am forced to go back and reread sections of a book because I need I need to find a detail that I have to carry through, that's when I start thinking, oh, oh, maybe I I would have done something a little differently next time. But you know, it's it's that's just part of the process, I think. And I I think also we develop as writers too, so that you know I think my my most recent book uh, is probably you know I I. I would probably have fewer things to go back and try to rewrite, you know, five years from now, um, just because I've I've grown as a writer and my style has uh, has evolved, and so you know, I, it could be what I want to change in the previous books. Perhaps it's just style, and um, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just you know, my style has has evolved and. So, but I think that's just something we as writers do. We, we're we're always looking to make it the best that it can be, and make it make it the best, the uh, most entertaining for our our readers. And so we're always looking to improve, which which is a good thing. Um, but I, I think you know I think going through that exercise of you know trying to rewrite something, I think perhaps we could spend our time you know better by writing something new. And, and you know, getting that next book out for our readers who are who are looking for the next book. How much research did you have to do? Do you do a lot of research for your uh, fiction books? Fortunately, I don't have to do a lot because I'm writing about places that I love and am very very familiar with. And uh, but there, you know, from time to time, I do have to do some research and. Certainly, over time, that has gotten easier with uh, with Google. Mm. But I think the biggest challenge with the woman underwater was I have a a scene with a helicopter, and I honestly can't remember the last time I was in a helicopter. I was probably a baby, so I had to do a, you know a lot of research online just so I would know how to how to describe it. You know, just describe what she was 
seeing and uh and what the the pilot was doing and I, so i i did as much research as i could and i wrote the scene a few times and then when i was finished and i thought i had it the way you know where i wanted it to be i sent it off to a, a good friend of mine who used to fly helicopters in the army and he took a look at it and i thought oh i i just kind of you know held my breath i thought oh he's going to he's going to rip this to pieces you know but he sent it back and just had he just changed one word so i must have done you know enough research to make it believable because i was also writing it from a you know a layperson's you know perspective as well so it didn't have to be um you know my terminology didn't have to be exact you know and but i could still describe what what the pilot was doing what what i was seeing on the inside of the of the helicopter so um apparently i i did enough research to to get that right mm. so who are your inspirations well in terms of uh like who i who i read yeah well yeah whoever inspires you when you um are writing it, it doesn't always have to be readers or or books but some that's usually what it is well actually for me uh i would have to say my inspirations are, are i mean i i do love to read and i've got some uh i i love there are several authors that i love to read and I'm, i look for the next book and i read all over the place i all different genres and you know i i read a lot of nonfiction. i i love reading about you know travel and and actually the airline industry too i just finished a uh a book on my nook which was called um attention all passengers by william mcgee and he's a big uh passenger uh airline passenger advocate and uh so he it was a very interesting book i've always been interested in in that sort of thing and then i jumped from that to uh a a book i'm reading now that's uh, a non-fiction book about a woman who used to be uh, a lighthouse keeper up in maine so i'm just fascinated with lighthouses and and i'm just getting into that now uh i've read a lot of marsha clark you know the she was the head prosecu- prosecutor for the uh, O.J. Simpson case, and a brilliant woman and a, and a brilliant writer. She, her first book was Without a Doubt, and she talks about the the case and the background, and it's it's fascinating to read, you know, from her perspective. And then after she finished that book, she came out with two different uh, murder mystery series: one from the perspective of the prosecutor. And one from the perspective of the defense attorney. And she knows, you know, the ins and outs of the system. And really, I, I, and she's a brilliant writer and I love her mysteries. But I also feel like I'm getting a sneak peek into what goes on behind the scenes. And it's, it's fascinating to read. So, um, I'm anxiously awaiting her, her next, next novel as well. But, but as far as inspiration, and, and I also have a lot of, you know, friends that are mystery writers and I, I support them. And, and, um, I've got Sherry Randall writes cozy mysteries and, um, Michelle Dorsey writes uh, a mystery series that's also set in the Caribbean. I, and I love being in the Caribbean. So I, I love writing about it and, and, you know, setting my mysteries there. And I love reading about it. So, um, I've got a lot of, um, a lot of different, uh, genres. And, and what I always say is if it's well written, then I'll, then I'll read it. I'll give it a, I'll give it a try. Although I did recently, my son really wanted me to read a book on Bitcoin. <laughs> I struggled with that one. <laughs> and I, I mean, true confessions, I did not get through it. I, my husband got through it, but I, I struggled with that one. So 
I put it to the side because it was keeping me from reading other books that I really wanted to get to. And I, I say that I'm going to get back to it. And I think I have the best of intentions, but I, I'm not sure I will because there are so many other books that I would love to read. But in terms of inspiration, um, I really think my inspirations come from the people that I interact with, life that goes on around me, travel, you know, because of my, you know, the locations that I, I set my books in travel always inspires me when I was, in fact, when I was, I was starting to write the sequel to my first book, uh, the murder on the precipice. And so it was, this book was set in Maine on the, on the, you know, rocky coast of, of Maine in an old family run in, I was writing the sequel and we, I always bring a pad of paper with me or to jot down notes or my laptop when we travel and we happened to take another trip down to uh, the, the Caribbean town to the Virgin Islands. And I was sitting out on the deck, uh, you know, overlooking the beautiful warm turquoise water and the, the watching the tropical breezes uh, go through the, the uh, palm trees. And I'm trying to write about Maine, the coast of Maine, and it wasn't working. But instead, this other story just kind of came crashing into my head. And so I flipped the, the page on the, the notepad I had, and I just started frantically writing what was going through my head. And it was the story was set in the, the Caribbean. And that turned out to be my second book. I ended up having to put my the sequel to the main the um to the main mystery aside and write the the story in that was in the uh, Caribbean just because it was demanding to be written. So the inspiration was pretty strong there. And, and I'm so glad I did because then I ended up with another, a sequel to that one too. So I, I allowed the, the settings to, to uh, direct my, my inspiration and, and then people, you know, the people watching and, and just um, in fact, one of my characters in this latest release, the woman underwater, Millie is the protagonist's mother and she is such a character and she is based on a woman that just passed my table one day a few years ago when I was doing a book signing and she was just so colorful and so interesting to watch and we exchanged a few words and it was enough for me to then jot some notes down and I said oh I've got to put her in a, in a book in the future and and so she ended up in The Woman Underwater and it's just a character. She's very colorful. She's, she's got the beginnings of Alzheimer's. So she, sometimes she doesn't remember things, which can be, that's not always a, a funny situation, but in this book, she does provide some comedic relief in the suspense. Um, but it's just, it's fun to have her in there. And I, I actually had an uh, advanced reviewer say that she enjoyed Millie so much that she thought Millie should have her own book after this one. So, so who knows? There may be a, 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 a spinoff with, with Millie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You never know. Well, Marsha Clark, yeah. she's been on the show. Yeah. She's uh, oh. quite, quite the, uh, the writer. Um, yeah. now uh, do you have a website or social media set up for readers and that to follow or interact with? Absolutely. My website is just my name, pennygochen.com, and it's just P-E-N-N-Y-G-O-E-T-J-E-N.com. So I've got a website there that uh, readers can learn more about my books and also connect with me and uh, sign up for my newsletter if they're so inclined. 
but I'm on also all the social media, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads, uh, BookBub, and you can just, you know, just search my name and, and I'll pop up for sure. And, and then my books are available, uh, wherever your, your favorite retailer is on, on all the, the usual online retailers like, you know, barnesandnoble.com, Amazon, but also on my website, I do have a link where people can, readers can, uh, click to find a, an independent bookstore near them. Cause I love supporting the, uh, independent bookstores. They're, they're such, uh, community gems and we really need to support them and, and keep them in business. So, so many, uh, you know, did not make it through the pandemic and it's, it was very sad, but I think it's so important to try to support the ones that, that are still around or have popped up since then. And, and because they're, they're just a wonderful resource for, um, for being able to find great books. Mm, yeah. Well, of course, we'll have all of your information up on our website as well. So people can find you with one click. Um, do you ever look at your reviews? <laughs> Well, I usually look at them with one eye open. <laughs> I kind of peek at them. And then once I see how many stars, then, then I'll read them. Um, you know, once in a while I'll get, I'll get one that's, you know, uh, not so favorable. And I might, you know, it might sting initially and then I might put it to the side, but then I go back to it and I read it because I want to learn from, you know, feedback. And, but, but, and very often it's just a matter of, well, it just wasn't for me. It wasn't, wasn't the book that, you know, I thought it was going to be. And, and, um, it just wasn't, uh, you know, something that interested me. And so, so it, it's not a horrible review. It just wasn't for that person. So I, I do, I do read them because, you know, most of them are quite lovely and, and it's great to get feedback. And, uh, but, you know, sometimes you get the occasional one that does sting, but it's, it's just temporary. <laughs> Well, um, now, well, so we've enjoyed having you on the show. Now, of course, the book is called The Woman Underwater, and that's the latest book from our uh, guest, Penny Gochin. Thank you for being here. It was my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Penny. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, All shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.